Starting last week, we began looking at a new doctrine on Sunday evenings. We've been doing something different than in the Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are more of the, what we call expositional preaching, expository preaching. We're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, but here on Sunday night, we're going through different doctrines, which means different teachings. And we looked at the doctrine of scripture, we looked at the doctrine of man, we looked at the doctrine of God, and now we're looking at the doctrine of Christ. Who is Jesus, and then what has he done? That's what we're going to be looking at. And last week we began this by looking at who Jesus is. And the thing that I want you to take away from this, because there's just, there's just so much scripture that we're going to go over The whole idea that Jesus is the divine Son of God, truly man and truly God, is something that is so hard for us in our human minds to grasp, but yet so clearly taught in Scripture. And so we have people who will give um, assent to Jesus being a great man, whether they're Jewish, whether they're Muslim, whether they're Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, they recognize, yes, Jesus is special, but he is not the divine son of God. And they even say the Bible is, is, gives us revelation about God. You know, whether you're Mormon or JW or even Muslim, they would recognize that God has spoken to us in the Old Testament and New Testament. And what the Bible teaches quite clearly is that Jesus is the true divine Son of God, that He is fully God and fully man. And there, there's no way that you can um, change a verse here or there and say, well, these verses are just taken out of context. What I want to show you, uh, beginning last week and now this week, and perhaps even in the weeks to come, is the overwhelming evidence from Scripture, from Jesus' own words, from the testimony of His disciples, from His actions, everything about Him, even from Old Testament prophecies. Everything about Jesus points to His divinity, that He is God in human flesh. And this is so crucial that we get this, because if we, if we don't know who Jesus is, we don't recognize that He is the divine Son of God, then what He did... To provide atonement for sin is called into question, called into effectiveness. We don't have a savior. Any group who denies the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, whether that's Mormon, whether that's Jehovah's Witnesses, whether that's Muslim, any group that denies the deity of Jesus Christ has works-based salvation. We must do something to save ourselves. Even if it's a small thing, we still must do something But the whole gospel, the whole good news, the whole message that Jesus preached and the disciples preached was that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And so those truths are upheld by recognizing that Jesus is the true Son of God, that He is God in human flesh. Now that can boggle our minds and we'll get to some of those mind-boggling objections. But what I want to do is just pour over the scriptures So we're utterly convinced. Um, And if we're going to deny the deity of Christ, well, we have no choice but rather to deny the scriptures. Uh, You you can't hold to the scriptures as a sacred book. You can't hold to the scriptures as the word of God and deny the deity of Christ. You can't do it. You must throw away the scriptures if you're going to deny the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the first three points on your sheet. So on page one, the first point was Jesus is human. So we looked at different scriptures to 
get that as an obvious one. Jesus, he ate, he slept, he drank, um, he grew in wisdom and stature. Jesus was a person, he was a human being. And the second point we looked at was the fact that Jesus was God. We have direct statements, seven direct statements in Scripture saying that Jesus is God. We looked at those. The third thing we looked at is Jesus is Yahweh. How the, the personal name given to God in the Old Testament is used to describe Jesus Christ. Those are three things we looked at last week. This week we're picking it up on number four. So on page number three in your handout is where we're going to begin tonight. So point number four about who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. Okay, point number four, page number three. Jesus is Lord. What do we mean by that? What do you mean by Jesus is Lord? Yes, he's Lord. But does that mean that he's, he's divine, that he's God? Well, here's a few scriptures. Psalms, sorry, Psalm 110 verse one says this. The Lord, and again, all uppercase, translating the Hebrew tetragrammaton, the Hebrew name for Yahweh, Okay, that's why it's in all uppercase. We know that Yahweh, it says, or the Lord says to my Lord, translating Hebrew Adonai, meaning Lord or master. Okay, so the Lord, God says to my Lord, this is David speaking, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. It seems like a strange verse to have in the Old Testament. Okay, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so here we have David saying that God says to my Lord, well, who's David's Lord besides the Lord? God is his Lord, is, it, is he not? Well, Jesus uses this verse in Matthew 22. And listen to what he says in Matthew 22. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question saying this. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, that is calls the Christ Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Look also at Acts 2, 34 to 36. David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, who? Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So what this psalm is saying way back, this is a thousand years before the time of Jesus. David, in the spirit, under the anointing of God, prophesying, writing the words of scripture, being directed by God, says, the Lord, the God of the universe, says to my Lord, I'm going to put your enemies under your feet. Okay, so David writes this down. And so Jesus asks them a question. Who is this Lord that David's talking to? Well, everyone knows that the Lord that David's talking to, that is, that is the Christ. That is the Messiah. This is the anointed one who's going to restore the kingdom of David. And they say, well, Jesus asked them, who, who is the Christ? And they say, well, it's David's son. 
Okay, then he asked him, how can he be both David's Lord and David's son? And they didn't know. They didn't know that. But in Acts 2, we're told this one who is spoken of here in Psalm 110 is none other than Jesus Christ. Being the son of David, coming from the lineage of David. Okay, so even if you're, if you're the son of, of a father or a grandfather or a great-grandfather, you can be called the son of David. So he's the son of David, and yet at the same time, David's Lord. And so it's just amazing how Jesus pulls this out. And this is actually the most quoted verse in the New Testament, Psalm 110.1, speaking about our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.10 calls Jesus Lord and says this, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And Philippians 2, 9 to 11 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, we started here with Psalm 10, 110. We end with Philippians 2. Philippians 2 is talking about the fulfillment of what was spoken of in Psalm 110 when every single enemy is put under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ where he is now Lord over all to the glory of God the Father. Whether someone comes to repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus Christ or whether they refuse him in hardness of heart and rebellion, Jesus Christ is Lord and he will rule over all. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. We're either going to do it in humility by coming to him and professing faith through and receive his forgiveness of sins, or we're going to do it because he's going to force you to bow before him with his rod of iron as he crushes you in judgment. And so everyone is going to recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean that he is Lord? Besides that he is this master, we see here when he's talking about Jesus Christ is Lord, it talks about it's the supreme master of the universe. He laid the foundations of the earth. Every single individual on planet earth is going to confess Jesus' lordship. He's Lord over all, every single person, every single microbe, mountain and hill. Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Now this is so significant because this title, Lord over all, is given to none other than God himself. Who, who, is, who is Lord over all things? Who is Lord over every single person? Only God has that kind of authority and dominion and sovereignty. But yet that title and what is, is meant by that title is applied to Jesus Christ. This is why it says in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. It's not just a, a, a mere saying of words, but recognizing that Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God, that He is the ruler over all, that He is everything that He said He was, and that He carries all authority. When we confess that and believe that in our hearts, it says that we're saved. We're saved. Our sins are forgiven because we've come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and He promises those who come to Him will receive forgiveness. So that's the fourth point on our sheet. Jesus is Lord, both in Old Testament and New Testament, a title of God. Number five, this one is um, interesting. Jesus is the angel of the Lord. Okay. You probably haven't spent too many brain cycles thinking about who is the angel of the Lord. Uh, Maybe you have. Um, If you have, you're kind of a Bible geek, 
But if you probably haven't spent too much time thinking, this angel of the Lord character I read about in the Old Testament, who is that? What's going on here? Well, in some passages we have the angel of the Lord. That is, this is, this is singular. This is the angel of the Lord, not just an angel of the Lord. We, we see other contexts where it describes an angel, but we have cases where we have the angel of the Lord. Like Genesis 16.10 says this, The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Okay? The angel of the Lord said this to Hagar, giving a promise to her. To which Hagar responds in verse 13, So she called the name of the Lord, God's name, who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. So Hagar calls the angel of the Lord God. Well, maybe Hagar was just confused. Well, let's keep looking. Genesis 22, 10 to 12 says this. Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son Isaac. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. The angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Interesting how the angel of the Lord says you've not withheld your son from, from me. You've not withheld him from God. Like, how, how can an angel say that? How can an angel take the, take the authority to assume that he's God to Abraham? Genesis 31. More verses about the angel of the Lord. Verse 11, then the angel of the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And listen to what the angel of God said, the angel of the Lord. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. The angel said that. I am the God of Bethel. Exodus 3, verse 2. Another one. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. You probably recognize this as Moses, okay? The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And he said, this is what the angel of the Lord said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. That's the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. It's amazing, isn't it? Ever noticed that reading these texts? Whenever, whenever God passed before Abraham and he just saw his back, that was the angel of the Lord. So the question becomes, who is this angel of the Lord? I thought angels were not God. So who is, when the Bible describes the angel of the Lord, who is this? Well, other times we have the angel of the Lord distinguished from God, and I have some verses written down there for you. I'm not going to read those out. What is interesting is that there is not one single mention of the angel of the Lord after Jesus comes in human flesh. Not one mention of the angel of the Lord once Jesus enters into his creation. We have an angel of the Lord after the time of Jesus, but never the angel of the Lord. And what's also interesting is, I don't have this on your sheet of paper for you, but you can jot it down if you want. John 1.18 says this. 
No one has ever seen God. What about Moses? Didn't Moses see God? Didn't he see his back? Didn't he just say he was afraid to look at the angel of the Lord who said, I am God of your father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? But John 1.18 says no one has ever seen God. But listen to how it finishes that sentence. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus, God, again, another direct title of God applied to Jesus. Jesus has made him known. So it makes perfect sense that the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is none other than the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Jesus taking physical form before he takes physical form permanently in the incarnation through the virgin birth. And so Jesus here, again, is God in the flesh, the angel of the Lord. Number six. Number six. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Now, this is so significant because only God is, is eternal. When someone is eternal, it's not just that they, that they have a start and then they just go forever because, because we are like that, right? We, we are born into this world. We have a soul and God promises to, to our soul will live forever. It's going to live forever with him in paradise when he comes and renovates this earth, a new heaven, a new earth. Or we're going to live forever in hell under conscious torment and suffering. And so we're going to live forever. So in one sense, our soul is everlasting, but we're not eternal. We, we had a beginning. But Jesus is said to not, to not have a beginning. Only God is self-existent. Only God is eternal. But Jesus himself is called, is said to be eternal. Listen to some of these verses. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, we know this is talking about Jesus because look at the next verse I have there, John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so Jesus is this living word. And this word that was with the Father, with the Father from the beginning, that is, he, ha- he had no start. This is before the beginning. Jesus was together with the Father, the Son and Father together. He is eternal. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jews are confused. They're like, no, you're, you're not even 50 years old yet. Like you're probably 30s, 40s. What, how old are you? I'm not sure, but, but you're not older than Abraham. And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. That, and that, I didn't just begin 30, 40 years ago. My pedigree goes way, way back. And they knew what he was saying. They picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus escaped. John 17, 5, Jesus praying. And he says this in his prayer. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus said, I was with you, Father, before the world existed. Before the world existed, there was no time. There was no world. There was no universe. Jesus says, I was there. I was there. I, I, I am eternal. Colossians 1, 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He's before all things in him, all things hold together. Being the creator, he is before all things. 
Hebrews 7.24, he holds the priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Revelation 1.8, Jesus speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We have later on Revelation 21, 5 and 6. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Okay, I mentioned Revelation 1, 8 is speaking about Jesus. Actually, that was... God the Father speaking, and then also Revelation 21, 5 and 6, God the Father speaking from his throne, saying that he is the Alpha and the Omega. What's interesting is Jesus speaks in Revelation 22, and he applies the same title to himself when he says this, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That's what Jesus says about himself. Jesus is eternal. No one but God can say they are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God, when you were there before the world existed, I was there with you. No one can say that except Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the divine Son of God. Number seven. Number seven. Jesus is the I Am. Okay, I know that sentence doesn't make much sense, but Jesus is the I am. All right, not grammatically correct, but you'll see what I mean in a second. Jesus is the I am. John 18, 3 to 6, let's start with this text and then I'll explain. It says, so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Okay, they're going to seize Jesus. This is the night he was betrayed. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Ever read that and wonder what's going on there? They come with these swords and clubs and torches and and things ready to arrest Jesus, okay? Jesus has never laid a hand on anyone. And so they they come to him to, to, to charge him and to, and to bind him and to bring him in front of this mock trial. And they said, Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And these thugs and marauders that were hired to, to be these kind of criminals, to, to be this like band of, of thugs to go and capture Jesus, you know, they've done this before. They fall back to the ground. What is going on? How can this be? Why would they do that? Well, what's interesting is what Jesus said to them. When Jesus says to them, I am he, I have in square brackets, the Greek that underlines that. And the Greek phrase there is ego I me. And that's a phrase that says, I am. Okay? Ego is a verb for I. 
I, me is am. I am. Okay? Now, when Jesus says, I am, and they fall back to the ground, why would that be? What's so significant about ego, I, me, when Jesus would say that to them? Well, this is why it's significant. Exodus 3, 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, why would God say it to Moses? Moses was going to God and saying, okay, you want me to go to Egypt and you want me to lead the people out of there and they're not going to believe me because who am I going to tell them sent me? And God says, tell them that I am sent you. Now, why would God call himself I am? Because the word I am speaks to God's self-existence, his eternal nature. He has no beginning or end. You know, we saw he's the alpha and the omega, and he's also the I am, eternally existing. We are all dependent. We came here because of mothers and fathers. Um, We're all reliant on things for our survival. But God just is, period. No dependence, no counselor, no, no beginning, no source. He just is. He's the only one who just is. He is I am. And so I have on square brackets on Exodus 3.14, the translation from uh, the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament that the Jews used in the time of Jesus. Okay, and, it, and when God says to Moses, I am, in Greek it is ego I me. I am. Now, what's so interesting is when Jesus says, I am, and they fall back. They fall back because they are in the presence of God. And Jesus just evoked God's name. And he says, I am. And they fell to the ground because they are in the presence of one who is the holy of holies. It's amazing what was going on there in John 18. Not only that. John 6, 20. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, or ego, I, me, I am. Do not be afraid. Okay, that phrase is significant. It's significant. It is the name of God. John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am, ego I me, the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And in John 8, 58, we just look at this text. When Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, ego I me, I am. And what did the Jews say? What did Jews do when Jesus said, ego I me? They picked up stones to stone him because he's committed blasphemy because this person, being a man, has made himself equal with God and so they pick up stones to stone him because they knew when Jesus said, ego I me. When he said, I am, they knew what he was meaning, that he is the God who said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. And Jesus comes there and says, I am. So clearly he associates himself with God, the great I am, the self-existent one. I think we have time for one more. Number eight, number eight. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the creator. Now only God is the creator. Okay, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. Okay? Anybody can read that. God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? That's what God has, has done. So how can we say that Jesus is the creator? In fact, in the New Testament as well, Ephesians 3.9, look there. To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Okay? We know this. God created all things. It's one of the first few questions in our children's catechism. Who made you? God made me. What else did God make? God made all things, right? God did that. But the scriptures also tell us that the Son of God did that. Hebrews 1, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus wasn't just the first one who was made and then he in turn made everything else. But it says without him, nothing was made that was made. All things were made through him. Everything. Jesus is self-existent. We already saw that. He is eternal. He, he, he was there before the world was. With the glory of the Father. Now, Psalm 33, 6. It says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. That's the word of Christ. That's the word of the Son, who made all things. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. There is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and look what else what he says. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So he puts the two side by side, Father and Son, the creator of heaven and earth. And Hebrews 1.10 says this, And you, Lord, speaking of Jesus, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Jesus Christ is the creator. Something a work that only God himself can do. And in fact, the scriptures are so clear. God is the only one who creates. And yet, we have so many verses talking about how Jesus Christ himself is the creator and through whom God has created all things. So as we continue to go through this, we're going to stop here tonight at number eight because we there are 17 in total, so we're not going to make them all through here, but we'll pick it up at number nine next week. Okay, and just to reiterate, the whole point of going through this list is to recognize the overwhelming evidence in Scripture about who Jesus is, that there's no doubt in any one of our minds that Jesus Christ is the true Son of God. And the reason why we want no doubt in our minds what the Bible teaches about who Jesus is, because our faith for our salvation is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that that is actually pointing towards his deity because no prophet has ever said, believe in me, believe in God, worship him. But Jesus says, believe in me and believe in me and you'll find life. And so we go through this. We have supreme confidence in who Jesus is so that we can commit our lives to him. We can forsake all for our Lord Jesus Christ because he truly is the son of God. We can give it all up and, and, and just come before him and recognize that our sins have been forgiven because he is who he said he was. And the scripture is so very clear. And so our salvation is secure in his hands. Our whole purpose of life 
is so secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray that as we read this, that we'd have a greater faith and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing that faith in Christ is the very means of our salvation. And so I pray that God would continue to build that faith about who Jesus is, such that we'd recognize his lordship, we would worship him, and we would bow before him, recognize he is the only one through whom we can have forgiveness of sins. Let's pray.